Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bruise and Belters podcast. Uh, this is season two, episode three. Today, we're going to recap a little bit of the Premier League, as always, um, get into some Tottenham midfield discussion, and uh, and then run through some highlights from the Roma and Fiorentina match that was uh, probably the highlight of the Serie A first weekend, uh, first first weekend, yeah, of this season. Um, and then we'll get into our Belters booze and cheers. Um, but I am Keegan Gowitz tonight. I am sipping on a slightly askew, unfiltered Hellas Lager from uh, Gathering Place Brewing Company here in Milwaukee. Pretty cool story behind this beer, actually. Recently went down a huge rabbit hole on PBS Milwaukee uh, called The Making of Milwaukee, and this beer is an ode to the bridges here in Milwaukee um, that are all built at an angle because of the three founding fathers, actually. A little interesting tidbit. But with me, as always, Toby Hinefeld. Toby, how you doing? What you sipping on tonight? I'm doing just fine, Keegs. Love the Milwaukee history uh, that flourishes <laughs> in this podcast, definitely. Um, I am sipping on a beer that is originally created in uh, Milton, Delaware, uh, but is currently owned, it's Dogfish Head Brewery, mm-hmm. um, but they just sold themselves to Boston Beer Company, so St. Adams, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the biggest like craft-to-craft uh, purchases in uh, the history of uh, U.S. beer. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, so I still drink it. I'm not boycotting it like I do most uh, Anheuser-Busch purchases. Um, but yeah, I'm drinking a Dogfish Head 90-minute Imperial IPA, uh, whopping 9% Ooh. alcohol by volume. So, uh, Lord save me for what I'm about to say about Harry Kane tonight. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah, this what, is uh, a... What alcohol volume is your unfiltered Hellas, you said? Yeah. That's a, that sounds like a tasty lager. It is tasty. It's nice and refreshing for a hot day. Um, this is just a 5%, so nothing nothing too crazy. Um you know, I have no excuses if I'm talking out of my neck halfway through the pod, so I'll save that for you, Tobes. All right, appreciate it. Let's get into it. All right, cool, yeah. So let's start out West Ham-Leicester. Um, West Ham 2-0 over Leicester. They looked phenomenal. Lingard's gone, but there's st- oh, 2-0, 3-1, my God, I'm sorry. Um, 3-1 over Leicester. Lingard, gone, but they're looking phenomenal. Um I mean, they're they're still purring in the midfield. Uh, you know, their build-up play is some of the best stuff I've seen in the Premier League over that spans from last season to this season. I think it starts out with just the class and, and the certainty, I guess, that Suchek and Rice have in the holding midfield position. Um, and then Fornals and Ben Rama float around up in front of them and kind of interchange. And then Antonio's a target man. It's just been unbelievable. Uh, he put on an absolute clinic this weekend, uh, broke the record for most goals scored in, in the Premier League for West Ham. Um, and I know you wanted to talk on that a little bit as well. Uh, we were kind of talking in the group chat about Antonio, but phenomenal performance. He's really turned on over the last season and a half, um, and he's just been phenomenal, and he's, he's kind of got a fun story as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, West Ham, I think you said 3-1. It was uh, ended up being 4-1. It uh, was, it was 2-0, yeah. 2-0, then uh, Leicester uh, came on with Tielemans uh, getting a goal to make it 2-1. But then uh, they end up, before that, there was a red card. So Leicester was playing down a man for 
you know, all but 40 minutes of the game. Um, and then uh, at the end of the game, it was just like, uh, just like Marvel. Uh, it was inevitable. It comes to Antonio, like he got his second and third goal of the season, uh, became West Ham's all-time leading scorer. Uh, you could tell it meant something to him because he had already had a celebration planned out. <laughs> um, so if you, if anyone is on Twitter or any sort of social media, you can see like West Ham's known for the bubbles. Um, so of course it was that during the celebration, but it was him holding up a cardboard cutout of himself, which was awesome. I've never seen that before. And he like lifted it over his head and then uh, kissed it and then tossed it on the side. Uh, said that that was from Save the Last Dance uh, and post game on Sky Sports. Uh, he asked everyone, and Jamie Carragher had no idea what he was talking about. Uh, so it was especially funny because you could tell. Uh, Mikel was like, like from Save the Last Dance, and everyone's like, "Oh, haven't seen that in a while." Like, what the fuck? Like, why are you, why are you celebrating that? Like, I, I didn't even know what it was. Like, I'm like, dude, I know quite a bit of pop culture, and I have no idea what he's talking about. Um, did you see the celebration? Yeah, yeah, and he just tosses it at the end. He literally like he throws it in the air and like spikes it down, and then just walks back onto the pitch. Yeah. It's like it's like he was like in my head. This was way cooler than it actually is, so I'm just gonna toss it now. But it was actually pretty cool. Everyone was laughing. The fans were going nuts. It was cool. So afterwards, they questioned the coach, who I love. Their coach, David Moyes, like he's a great coach. Yeah. And he gets everyone on that team for West Ham to buy into his system. Uh, he he he. They said something about what do you think about that? And he's like, ah, you know, I'm not big into celebrations. You know that. That's literally all he said. <laughs> it was the next question. Uh, so it was. I mean, it was a good night for West Ham. It was a Monday night game uh, in England. Uh, West Ham after this is top of table, eight goals in two games. That's huge. Uh, with Antonio having three of them, uh, he said after the game. I think he ended with a ten, between 10 and 12 goals, uh, somewhere around there. He said that uh, he expected to do better than last season with 15 goals, but after starting out with three after two games, he's looking at 20. Like, he had the cocky, like, very charismatic personality of a striker that you want, especially at a team at West Ham that, like, I mean, they're the, they're the young, they're the, like, little brothers of all the teams in that area. So for them to come out and be top of the table after two weeks, have the have the top goal scorer, Golden Boot winner, like they need his uh, charismatic personality to kind of lift them, especially after losing Jesse Lingard, which I think is a big thing. And then they also are bringing in other players, like they're still trying to figure out who they are. So for them to be for them to be at the top of the table after two weeks is a huge uh, accomplishment in my eyes. Um, I do think that Leicester is still a really good team. Yeah. I think going man definitely threw them off, and then you can also sell. You can also see uh, uh, when they were down two one, uh, Brendan Rodgers tried to chase the game and he changed up the formation and uh, kind of like he did uh, previously back them out when they were last season in the uh, EPL um, or EFL. Uh, but uh, I think that actually hurt them because it allowed. Uh, West Ham to go on the counter. Um, so I think that actually had a counter effect, especially with uh, Vardy and Barnes and Madison all playing really well, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, with Perez, 
uh, being the other forward alongside those three, getting the red card. And uh, I I don't know. I think that he is the weak link of that group so far, yeah. uh, which is unfortunate being the 28-year-old player that he is at forward. Um, I guess, who do, you, who do you see, I guess, your reaction based on this game and then who do you see finishing ahead of each other? Is it West Ham or is it Leicester? I mean, I think it's too early to tell. Thank you, by the way, for the score correction. I was a little disoriented trying to uh, separate cat and dog in here. And uh, I went from 2-1 to 3-1 to finally getting to the root of it at 4-1. Um, I think it's hard to tell. Like so, you, like you said, uh, Rodgers kind of tried to come out and play a little bit more attacking, maybe hit him in the face um, with something that they weren't expecting after going a man down. And I mean, just being a man down in general while playing defensive is hard enough especially against a team who moves the ball as well as West Ham does. So Yonku made an uncharacteristic mistake in the back, basically gave the ball away to Antonio in his own box, who had the presence of mind to look up and find, uh, oh, I think it was Ben Rama for that goal. Um, so, I mean, uncharacteristic errors, unfortunate red card early on, you know, or 40th minute, so first half, you know, they're playing a man down the entire second half, so... I don't know. I mean, I would love, I, like you said, I think everyone loves to see West Ham succeeding and doing well. I would love to see them. I feel the same about Leicester, though. I always want to see these two teams do well. Um, I mean, West Ham are clicking, though, and Leicester, while they're good, they're still just kind of floating around the same place that they've always been. They've got the same players they've had for a few years. You know, Vardy doesn't look like he's slowing down, but I mean, he is aging. You know, reality is that he's aging, so... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think both of them have every chance to finish top five, but um, I, I do think it's a little too early to tell. In this form, I think, you know, West Ham, if Antonio keeps playing the way that he does and Suchek and Rice keep providing that stability, I think they definitely have a shot at top four. So um, I think it's a little too early for me to actually choose a team, though, with confidence. Okay, good. Top out. Let's go on to the next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do want to point out though, you you know, we talked about Antonio um, and that kind of confidence that he has. He's thirty one now. Um, he seems to have really found himself in that position. And actually, my I'm going to just skip ahead to my cheer because it is for him, one for accomplishing what he did and in, in becoming West Ham's leading Premier League goal scorer. Um, but also, he's been with the club. He was loaned out a bunch. He's played a bunch of different positions for the club from right back to right mid to right wing. And now at 31, 30 last season, he's really solidified himself as a truly their number nine. Um, and it, it, it's, He actually switched his jersey number to number nine yeah. this season to own it. Yeah. Like what you're, to go on with what you're saying. Right. And I think it goes in with what you were saying about just that confidence. Like it, it feels like he has an identity now. He's not switching around different positions. He knows that he's going out and he's going to be their striker. And it, you can see that in his play. He's just owning that position to reiterate what you said. And, um, you know, I, I think that's worth a cheer. And we're seeing how well he's playing with that confidence and with that identity. And he was unbelievable. I mean, it's not just scoring and setting up goals. He was doing everything. He was dropping back to midfield to receive the ball. He was essential in their build-up play. I mean, he was all over the pitch for them on Monday. It was unbelievable. So uh, huge cheers to him um, to kind of wrap up that segment there. But we'll move on. Northwest London Derby, Chelsea 2, Arsenal 0. 
Uh, Lukaku debut, grabbed a goal early on, true Lukaku fashion, just bodying people, playing as kind of a holding, um, you know, a, a ball retaining striker, and then passing it off and just getting into position, playing off the back shoulder, the defender receives a ball in and just taps it in, makes it look so easy, but there's so much movement and intelligence involved in that buildup, and that's just what he does so well. He's so fucking well-rounded, it's unbelievable. Um, just always making smart runs, always timing them right. You know, you hear pundits talk about him and why he's so good. Obviously, the physicality mixed with speed, mixed with touch is essential. But his intelligence and his spacing and the way he uses space to free up his teammates and free up himself is unlike really any striker that we see. You know, you can compare him from his physical characteristics and striking ability to a, a Lewandowski or, you know, a Benzema or whatever it might be, but... Just his movement and the way that he works off of his teammates is like unparalleled. It's unmatched. Um, so awesome to see him score in his debut so early on. Teammates were loving it. Um, and then, you know, the second goal, Havertz battling on the sideline to win it, plays it out to Mount. They switch it over to Reese James, and, and he scores a belter to make it 2-0. And, I mean, Chelsea just looked phenomenal. Arsenal just looked scattered lost arsenal look like arsenal like honestly like i don't mean that in a bad way but i'm gonna declare them dead right now like they're, they're dead lost two games they ran into the brentford bees bowsaw like in the first game first yeah. time back in the premier league in 75 years full capacity fans like they they were not gonna win that game like on a friday night very premier league kickoff like, that was nuts for them to be in there and then for them to play. So it is bad luck. Like, Chelsea, in my opinion, top team in, this, in the mm-hmm. league. Uh, but, yeah, coming up, they have City this weekend. Okay, there you go. <laughs> have at it. Uh, Norwich. Norwich is, in my opinion, is way underrated compared to where they're at currently. Yeah, I actually think that'll be a really interesting matchup there. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that That's on the list. Um, they play Burnley after that, and then Tottenham in another uh, derby. So, like, I mean, between City, Norwich, Burnley, Tottenham, they have maybe one win. Maybe. You know? Yeah. Maybe. Like, they could lose all those, and then that would be six straight losses. You know, I'm, I I don't think that will happen. I think they'll tie and maybe eat, maybe win one game. So, But there's a lot of points being dropped in your first six games of the season. Yeah. So, I and mean, it's the same old, same old Arsenal, same old Arteta. You know, uh, he looks somewhat lost, blaming it on injuries thus far. You know, he doesn't have all of his players. I'll give it to him. Right. Like Odegaard's coming back. Uh, Azcapoleta's coming. Or not, excuse me, not Azcapoleta, but uh, Lacassette is uh, coming back. Um, Aubameyang. Yeah, What's crazy is he wants out and they're not playing him. Why don't you just get rid of him if they're not going to play him and right. he wants out? Like, right. I, yeah, I don't know what's going on with Arsenal. I love it. Like, I yeah. wish both these teams would have sucked on Saturday or Sunday, whatever day they played. Uh, the only thing that was most upsetting, the main thing that was most upsetting, was uh, Christian Pulisic has COVID after being uh, vaccinated and whatnot. So it still sucks. But uh, I, I guess Keegan. To take all this and kind of bow tie it up, do you think Chelsea is the favorite? You know, they beat Arsenal, who is 
arguably you would have to say Arsenal is like a top 10 team. You know, I kind of picture them with Everton. But uh, I do think that when you play Chelsea in your Arsenal, that you kind of rise to the occasion. And Chelsea still put them in their place. Do you think Chelsea, like, that's a good win for them being in Arsenal? Do you yeah. think they're the, the, do you think they're the top of the Premier League right now after two weeks? Yeah, I mean, I think no matter what, a Derby win's a good win. Um, also, just a disclaimer for our Everton followers, uh, I would not put Everton and Arsenal at the same level right now. Maybe historically, not even historically, because Arsenal historically are a lot better than where they're at now, but you get the point. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I, I think Chelsea and City are a cut above the rest of the league on paper, and, and maybe not with the way that City performed week one, but with the way that they looked this week and with the way that Arsenal have looked so far and the pickups they've made and just the confidence that they rightfully have in Tuchel. You know, and coming off of such a successful season last year, I, I mean, I would peg them as, as one or two and, and City being the other, you know, top dog. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to go back to Arsenal, I don't even know what the problem is. It, You know, Arteta's obviously on the hot seat, but, yeah, I mean, they're missing... Aubameyang, Lacazette, Odegaard will be in the mix next week. They've got a really young core mixed with just, like, shit defenders. Tierney didn't play well. He looked lost against Chelsea, which is huge for Arsenal. I mean, he's such a huge part of their team. So, I don't... Yeah, I mean, just something's not clicking, and it's like, you know, do you do you get rid of Arteta and just try and bring in a new face to lead them and, and hopefully just make that one little change that maybe sets sets things up differently i don't know i mean they're just something's not clicking and they've got young talent but it's just not working i i I mean i don't know much about arteta's coaching style but when he his last position was assistant at city and he was considered to be like the golden boy there so like for him to go to arsenal and then not perform like you know there's there's only so much a manager can do you know there's only so much and so i i don't know either way but yeah arsenal's always in disarray and i love it because like arsenal fans are by far the worst fans in the world <laughs> when it comes to like drama and shit and so for for this to be happening like i just absolutely love it so uh i'm i'm hoping it's the exact same as it was last year when they were in the bottom like five a third of the way through the season so yeah, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. And I mean, if they if they do hold on to Arteta, you know, like you said, kind of learned under Pep and everything, I think that they're going to need a better, like, that Pep setup and that, you know, that Cruyffian type of setup of, like, total football, you got to have a really good, you got to have really good playmakers, and it can't just be Odegaard. Like, I don't know, Xhaka seems to show, like, signs that he can play like he played well in the euros and occasionally he'll play well enough in arsenal where fans seem to like cling back on to him but i feel like you have to have a better holding mid than that you look at barcelona for years you know they had xavi and iniesta and obviously those two are a cut above anybody that you know i mean those are once in a generation players but they had busquets as a holding mid city have Rodri, you know like real have Casemiro like you have to have that caliber of player to really make things click in that type of fo- like total football 4-3-3 kind of formation or kind of setup and I mean 
Jaka's just not that dude. Like no one that they've had in recent memory is that guy who can do that. So I think it's a mix of the two of Arteta and just, I do think it is a lack of players or, or correct personnel. So I don't know. Who knows? Like you said, I'm, I'm fine with Arsenal drowning. So, uh, and then the, the third match will highlight Wolves, Tottenham, um, Tottenham win one Oh, they grab an early goal off a Dele Ali penalty. He's back, baby. Um, Jose out, Dele in, uh, Wolves were phenomenal by the way. They looked really, really good. Triore was great. They were creating chances like crazy, but, um, cool to see Nuno, uh, start the season with six points with Tottenham comes out, beats his former team. Um, I mean the grab a goal and defend your dick off tactic continues to work so far two matches in. So, uh, surely teams will learn to break their defense down, Toby. You would imagine? I, I hope so. I mean, that defense is not very good. They didn't <laughs> even have the best defenders playing <laughs> during that game. So, yeah, I hope. I, I would assume that would happen. I hope it doesn't, but I, I even though I said that earlier. But, uh, yeah, Wolves definitely looked good. Uh, they had most of the possession. It was like 60-40. Uh, Jimenez was back from that scary head injury that he had. Yeah. Um, he looked lively. Yeah. Uh, which is good to see uh, from a Premier League standpoint, from a CONCACUF standpoint. It sucks that he's good because that's Mexico against the U.S. Um, and then uh, Adam Atreori, uh dude, that dude was beefing on the left side yeah. the entire game. And he was going against uh, Tanganga, and he was going against everyone in the midfield that they were throwing at him, and then forwards as well. And he just continually torched the left side of the pitch the entire game that he was in. He has no finishing abilities and no real, like, crossing abilities. But one-on-one, just taking dudes on and powerhousing them, like, he was a cut above the rest. Uh, I just, I don't know, like, he's being kind of linked to Tottenham on, like, a... Like, they're talking about him being on loan for, like, 40 mil right now. That's a large sum of money for a loan. Um, But I kind of felt like after that game, I'm like, I'd rather have him on my team than have to guard him. Like, is that kind of how you feel? Because I feel like he torches – he could torch Liverpool. He could torch City, you know, because that right side of Liverpool, like, you only have a – that's not Trent, so that would be – uh, what's his name? The Scottish guy. So Rabo. Yeah. No. No. Left side would be Trent because I'd be right back, and then Rabo on the other side. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, regardless, like, very few right backs can keep up with him pace wise. Um, and like you mentioned, he he doesn't really have that finishing touch. He's not a super great crosser. Uh, there was an opportunity early on where he beat a guy to the touch line. Um, you know, just outside the box, and he's dribbling along the out-of-bounds line, and he sends one on the ground into the center. And I feel like that's where he's most deadly, where he doesn't have to send in a cross from outside the box. It's just that ball played in flat along the ground um, from within the box where he's really, really deadly. But, yeah, I mean, no matter what, he's dangerous. He just pokes holes in, in defenses, and all it takes is him getting that last ball right one time. 
and a striker put you know burying it and that's that could be potentially the difference in a match i mean in this case he he supplies one one good ball in wolves finish it and you know instead of three points they're splitting one each so no matter what he's dangerous um i don't know though i mean 40 mil just for a loan i don't know i don't know if i'd want that or not you only gotta you only gotta defend him twice a year you know yeah exactly so but the two dudes that were defending them was uh, Hoy Pierre and then also Oliver Skip. And uh, both of those guys look good, especially Skip. Skip this is two great. straight games that he has looked good. Um, and he's played the full 90 minutes. Uh, I think eventually Nuno wants to go to three at the back and then just have wingbacks, especially with that Brian Gill, the 18-year-old Spanish player that they got. Um, I expect him to play on the left side. He's a left footer that cuts in on right, but still plays on his left foot, uh, which is kind of deadly. And then there's also, but he also play. he could play the right side as well. So we can play some wing back positions. Um, so, I mean, that's all, that's all dictated on how good you are defensively up the center. Um, and right. right now, uh, Eric Dyer and then Davidson Sanchez both look very good. Yeah. Um, which last year, both of those guys were victimized. Like people forget Davidson Sanchez was a meme for a while there. Like he did not look very good. Uh, and then always Eric Dyer's never looked no. decent or never looked great, but he's always somehow squeaked on in the English national team. Like, I don't know. Like, so they have a lot going on in the midfield. And then also in the uh, back of the lineup, uh, center-wise, um, that I expect them to still look to address uh, in the next week or so. Uh, no, no hints for your upcoming rumors. Um, but I guess if I had to compare this to last year, I think Tottenham would have lost this game last year, or would have given up a goal, and it would have been one-one draw. Um, that's where I think the uh, mental fortitude and the uh, strength of the team, uh, especially under Nuno, has come in, where they are, they're they're willing to go one zero and just you know defend their dicks off like what you were saying earlier. Like yeah. they're willing to do that, and I I didn't see that last year. Like I didn't see that heart. Um, but that's something that is awesome to see. Uh, a couple other things I really like is uh, Delhi got his first goal. Um, he's looking good yeah. at midfield. Um, Fun just to see think... him back in, too, you know, just getting minutes. Exactly. But with that being said, someone that's losing all the minutes is Ndombele. And Tange, I know you love him, like, especially at his time when he was in France. Like, do you, do you I mean, with Delhi playing as well as he is and then may, them bringing in maybe someone or getting other people like La Celso back uh, full time, like, do you? Do you think it's his time to go from Tottenham and like go somewhere else? It just depends if Nuno, what Nuno's committed to. I mean, like you mentioned, I think Skip looked really good. Hoiberg is going to be in every match, every minute. Um, so, I mean, if he's committed to Dele and if he sees something in Dele um, and Skip, obviously, then I don't think Ndombele is going to get a ton of playing time. I don't think he's a guy who should come in every other match from the 70th minute on. Um, I think he's too talented for that. But, again, you want to keep depth, too. You know, we talked last season about how important depth is in, in the Premier League. And, um, 
you know, I don't know. I'm curious to see what they'll do with him. There's rumors as well, you know, if they do end up selling Kane or if they sell Sissoko. Um, you know, there's rumors of them picking up Awar. I would love to see those two link up again. And Dombele and Awar from um, when they were both at Lyon together. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, if there's room for him in the team, I would love to see it. Bergwijn's played really well so far, and Mora has looked good as well. Uh, and Dombele would probably play further up in the Christmas tree, like in those one of those two attacking mid type of positions, rather than back where you know Skip, Hoiberg, and Dele have been playing. So, I mean, I think that I I don't necessarily think they have to get rid of him. I just want to see when he is fit because I don't think he's totally fit right now, which is part of it. Uh, but when he is fit, I just want to see him get minutes. And that's the nice thing about him is that, you know, they're playing that setup where they have three mid three midfielders kind of trailing back a little bit with Hoybeer, uh, Dele, and Skip. And then up top, they've got Bergwijn and Mora playing in a more attacking role. So that's five midfielders on the pitch that he and he could potentially come in as a sub for any of them. So he is a guy who while he could be coming off the bench, would still have the opportunity to come in and get minutes in every single match, every single week. And if that's the case, then no, I don't think it's necessarily time for him to go. But if he's going to be a guy who makes an appearance once every three weeks, then yeah, I mean, try and get the fuck out of there. Because he's too good for that, and he's he's still young, and he needs minutes. And I, I totally agree with you, Keeks. So I guess I mean after hearing all that, it kind of sounds like you're somewhat of a Tottenham fan based on uh, all the stats and. If they sign Usam uh, Awar, ah, they're they're gonna be they're gonna be battling with West Ham for my number two man. All of my Spurs hatred, I will take back. Yeah, I will be born again in the name of Nuno Espirito Santo. I will be baptized. As a Spurs, not fan, but, you know, part-time supporter, um, you know, lukewarm supporter. So so with that support, I mean, coming on in the 70th minute was Harry King for his Tottenham debut of this season. Yeah. Uh, do you think he is worth the, I mean, what was Kylian Mbappe offered today from PSG? 180 mil? 180 mil was that US dollars or euros? I don't know. Like I would it, assume none euros. Of that matters. It's, when when you're dealing with that much money, it doesn't matter what yeah. currency it's in. It's all a lot of money. Yeah. But it kind of seemed like that's what Tottenham is wanting for Harry Kane from Man City. Uh, so I mean, Man City has the money to offer that. So do you think Harry Kane should should join this ranks, or do you think that they're just as good just having Son? Bergwijn, uh, you talked about La Celso, you talked about Deli Ali, you talked about pretty much anyone else that was on that list, like Lucas Mora. Like, what do you, what do you think? Like, do I think it's smart for him or to stay or for Tottenham to keep oh, him? For for both. Um, I mean, I don't know where Harry Kane's head's at. I mean, he he's been with the Spurs forever, so to me. You know, there's that honor and that loyalty part of it. At the same time, he's a professional athlete and he wants to win championships. He wants to win trophies. So if you want to win trophies, I would say go join City because they're a Harry Kane away from being fucking unstoppable. Um, and if you're Tottenham, I say let him go. 
if the guy doesn't want to be there anymore, let him go and get a hundred. I don't know that he's worth 180 mil if that's what Mbappe or, or Holland are, are valued at. Not that he's not as good as them, just that, you know, he's 29 and they are 20 and what, 22 respectively. Um, so, I mean, just the longevity that you get with them, I think adds the value obviously, but I mean, if you're Tottenham and you can get 150 mil plus for him, I think absolutely get rid of him and you can build so much off of that. You can restructure your entire defense, which has been a problem the last two seasons. Uh, and then you can pick up other weapons as well. So you can add depth, which as we just mentioned is so important right now. So yeah, I think for Tottenham, absolutely. If he doesn't really want to be there, do what's right for the player and for the club and get rid of him. I'm thinking too. I mean, you might have to sacrifice ten million. You know, go from your one sixty to one fifty, or your one seventy to one sixty, whatever it might be. He's not worth Mbappe numbers, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not even worth Erling Haaland numbers, but he's definitely worth the most in the Premier League, in my opinion. Uh, and so, for them to get that would be huge. Like to put it in consideration, like Chelsea. Romelu Lukaku came for like what 120, 130. I forget the yeah, actual number. Right around, but it was around there. But they had already made that back in Tammy Abraham and a few other like cells that they had on guys that weren't even like their starting lineup. They were like bench players, and they sold three guys, made enough money, like they broke even on that. And so that's what you're hoping Harry Kane can do. Is Harry Kane can go out kind of like. Uh, Coutinho did for Liverpool back in the day where you sell him high and then you bring in this money and it allows you to spend for two or three players to make your team way better. Just like I'm hoping Villa can do with Jack Grealish money. You know, you get rid of Jack Grealish for a hundred million dollars, a hundred million pounds. And then that allows you to sign three guys, Danny Ings being one of them who has two goals on the season and looks fresh as shit for Villa. So, yeah, that's I, I think you're exactly right, Keegs. I think I mean there there comes a time like you, you just just because you are with the team as long as Harry Kane has been, he's one of us. Like that doesn't mean that he deserves to stay one of us. Like he should be able to be given the right to win and then the team should be able to be given the right to make a lot of money off of him. Like, yeah, it's a win-win for everyone, in my opinion. Right, and it's it, it's like you mentioned last season with Graylish. You know the way they handled that, him leaving. You know, let him go and pursue his individual goals with another team, and let the team you know benefit from from what he's provided. Um, Owner yeah. of Villa saying, "We did not want to get rid of Jack Graylish. He is he is us. He is Aston Villa. But if a team that was in." The Champions League came knocking at a hundred million break-even point. We would offer him the contract, yeah. and Man City, Man City offered that amount. They got Jack Gray, they got him. You know, yeah. they got Jack Graylish. So yeah, yeah and I yeah. think that's how it should work. And you know, Kane has provided so much for Tottenham. I don't think there should be any hard feelings. Of course, there will be some fans who, who you know, lose their lid over it, but I don't think there should be hard feelings there. I mean, it's the nature of the sport. It's the nature of professional sports. What a 9% alcohol beer does, it makes me talk myself into allowing Harry (laughs) Kane to leave Tottenham and for me to telling, for me to tell everyone that Chelsea does good business. Like, 
they they want someone, they go get them. It sucks to hear that, but they do. Yeah, I mean, they wanted Lukaku. Who else wanted Lukaku? No one, because Chelsea went and got him. You yeah. know, within a week of when they said when the rumors came out, within a week he was Chelsea signed, signed, sealed, like, and delivered. Yeah, they want when they want. Like they run good business. Yeah, but they also loan out everyone. So true, true. So some other uh, scores from the weekend: um, Liverpool beat Burnley two nil. Palace and Brentford tied 0-0. Aston Villa 2-0 over Newcastle. Um, Villa looked great. We mentioned Danny Ings grabbed another goal. El Ghazi had a great penalty kick. Uh, he doesn't very rarely misses from the spot. Um, Leeds and Everton drew 2-2. Damari Gray with his first goal for Everton. And uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored his second goal this season. Brighton won 2-0 over Watford. Brighton is staying hot. Um, Maupe and Duff with goals there. City with a big 5-0 win over Norwich. Um, first goal was an own goal. Jack Grealish with his first Manchester City goal, which was, came as an absolute shock to him. Um, ball in, just kind of deflected off of his knee and went in, but a goal's a goal. Uh, and then Dude, Laporte. Them calves, them calves guide those them knees. calves, baby. Uh, and then Laporte, Sterling, and Mares scored as well. And then United and Southampton drew 1-1. Uh, Greenwood goal set up by a little Pogba and Bruno 1-2. Pogba's fifth assist in two matches for United. Tobes, any thoughts on those matches? Two things. Uh, Bruno Fernandez thoughts with uh, Mason Greenwood. So Bruno Fernandez has three goals. Mason Greenwood has two on the season. Man United... Uh, Points-wise, standing-wise, whatever, uh, goal-scoring-wise, definitely top of the list. Um, what do you expect from them this year? Um, the word that pops to mind is inconsistency based after these you know, first two weeks and based on last season and even the season before. Um, you know, We see them win 5-0 week one. And then they come out and draw 1-1 against Southampton. Um, and I think it's the same old story. I mean, I'm still not sold on Ale. I've never been sold on Ale. I think they've got players, but, you know, some weeks they're there, some weeks they're not. And I just think that they're very, very inconsistent. But they have the quality to keep them up in the top five race for the entire season. Exactly. That's what I was gonna say. They're gonna be fun this season. Like they're yeah. <laughs> they're gonna win games. They're gonna lose games. But they definitely have talent, and they haven't even shown us that talent. And I I think United in the next week will probably sign one player, maybe two more players that uh, will get starting time this season. You know, they're not gonna be signing eighteen year olds. Yeah. To like kind of stash them away. I think they're gonna actually get one or two more players that will actually be competing for midfield positions and maybe forward positions as well. And then they're going to get healthy, you know, so they have a right. lot going on. Um, the other team this week that really impressed me was Everton. Uh, they have such a simple system, and that's kind of what I wanted to just bring up really quickly with you, is uh, how they literally are just banging the outsides and just hammering it inside. They're literally telling DCL, who has, I think, two goals on the season, um, in the Premier League, and I think he just bagged one today as well. I could be mistaken. Uh, but they're pretty much telling Richarlison, 
and everyone else on the outside to just hammer it and then just get it inside. And Ames, everyone else, like they're all buying into it, and they actually look good right now. Yeah, yeah, they're fun to watch. I mean, they I can't help but kind of root for Everton. They've got some players that you really enjoy watching, and like you said, it's simple. Get it into DCL, who's become an amazing target man in the middle. He's always in a dangerous space near the 60-yard box. Great header of the ball, great at winning balls on the ground. Um, him and Richarlison play really well off each other. And then, yeah, I mean, you send a ball in, and then you've got James there to, to pick it up on the edge of the box or, you know, their other midfielders. So, yeah, they've been fun to watch. I think Damari Gray was a great pickup by them. Really fun player to watch. Exciting, quick, can make things happen and, and provide good delivery as well to DCL. So, uh, moving on to Serie A. Pretty low-key week. Not a lot of you know, star-studded matchups, but uh, Roma-Fiorentina was an interesting one. Two red cards, three yellow cards, and Tammy Abraham put on a clinic in his debut. Um, started out drawing Fiorentina's keeper out, drawing the foul, um, got their keeper a red card in the 19th minute. 27th minute, gets the ball on the left side of the box, cuts in, sets up Mkhitaryan for their first goal. Uh, very back and forth for the rest of the half. Fiorentina actually put up a really good fight being a man down. They had a ton of chances. Early second half, Zaniolo, Nicolo Zaniolo, um, star boy midfielder from Roma, uh, gets his second yellow and is sent off. He had played pretty well, but he's known for kind of having a hot temper, and, and he had a foul early on, and then kind of a, a just a, not a brutal foul from the back, but it was a foul, and he had no chance to play the ball, so he got a second yellow. But it is good to see him back and healthy. He's super talented. Um, and then after he went off, um, 10v10, Abraham hits the post with a header in the 61st. A couple minutes later, he sets up Veritaut for a goal against his former club, and then Veritaut ends up scoring the third. So really good match. Uh, really, really back and forth. Rui Patricio, um, Roma's new keeper, um, ends up eventually getting beat by Milankovic, who's a center back uh, for Fiorentina, a target actually being targeted right now, linked to West Ham and, and some other Premier League clubs. But um, he ends up beating him late in the match for one goal, ends up being 3-1. But really back and forth, great to have Serie A back. It's such a fun league, and it was amazing last year. Yeah, I mean, we had, we had Jose back on the podcast. Like, it's yeah. good time, you know. Jose Mourinho's back. Uh, everyone bought into his system, I feel like, thus far. They played very defensive. Uh, uh, Timmy Abraham, if he continually gets playing time like he does and produces, like, I mean, you have to put him up there with Jaden Sancho, Marcus Rashford, the Man United forwards, like, as England, you know, like, he, I think this is good for him to leave Chelsea where he is a backseat driver and give him some wings and allow him to kind of go out there and attack, attack, attack like he was on that side. Like, he wasn't playing the striker position. He was playing more of a left forward position in that game. Um, but he was kind of switching between the two a little bit. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I hope he performs really well. He got that nice haircut. Like, he looks good out there. Uh it's just Serie A is just going to be weird this year, and so I hope he has a good season. With them, Roma, it's always good when Roma is good. Like, yeah. I, I want no, like, I have no hatred towards Jose Mourinho. 
I have none towards Amy Abraham or anyone else. Like, I just want to... I, I think Roman needs to be top four, top five for Serie A to be good, in my opinion. Yeah, it would be good to see them succeed. It sucks that Spinazzola um, suffered the Achilles injury because he played so well in the Euros and he could add so much to them uh, and really like bolster them to that you know, top four, maybe top three or top two kind of spot, but... Um, it, it is it is what it is, so we'll see where they end up. But it should be an interesting season in Serie A, for sure. Um, Belters, what you got, Tobes? Belters, uh, I needed your help on this one, but I got Danny Ings, Villa, uh, sure. not Southampton. Danny Ings, uh, bicycle goal in stoppage time off a gorilla throw-in. Uh, first Villa home game. Uh, what a way to say hello to the crowd with his, uh, I mean, it was, it was hit hard and it was on a bicycle. That's especially impressive. Yeah. Like the dude just never ceases to impress me based on his injuries, based on his teams he's played for. Like he's just a good all around player. And yeah. I love that he's playing for Aston Villa, like such a core such a core team historically for Premier League and for him to be producing for them is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was a great goal. Um, I had Rafinha cut in from that right side and just blasted one with the left foot, um, slotted in near post. Really good goal. Uh, Love to see him playing well. He can be electrifying when he's on. And uh, didn't look great week one, but bounced back week two in the 2-2 draw against Everton. So... Um, I already gave my cheer to Michaela Antonio. Uh, I don't know if you have any boos or cheers. I did not have any boos. All cheers this week. Um, love the positivity. Uh, I had one cheer. Uh, it was for uh, Simon. I want to say Care, uh, but he is. It was him along with the medical team of Denmark. So he is Denmark's uh, national team captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the person who came on when uh, Christian Eriksen uh, was seizuring. He was the first person to notice it and like notify everyone way before anyone knew what was going on, was arguing the, the call and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, both of them are, or the medical team and him, are going to be recipients of the UEFA President's Award in the uh, for their actions in the year of 2020. So... I mean, it's. I don't think we should forget just how serious of an issue it was with Christian Eriksen. Yeah. You know, in essence, dying on a soccer field, yeah. and for for someone to have the know with all, like I can't even imagine being in a grocery store somewhere and having someone pat, like fall down from a seizure and being able to help them until first responders come and for someone on a soccer pitch to be able to handle that uh was monumental you know it was life-saving yeah and for him and the medical team like yeah they definitely deserve that award and uh so that's my that's my cheer yeah boo wise uh i don't really have much so i was kind of reaching but i'm gonna boo covid Because they're keeping a lot of players from international break, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, from Tottenham's perspective, there's a few Argentines, 
Um, a few, pretty much all of South America is in the red list right now, um, which is huge because uh, those those teams are still going to have their World, World Cup qualifiers, but they're not going to have uh, their club teams. Um, so their best players for those clubs are not going to be able to travel to those countries to play. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do actually have a little boo um, for the fans at the Marseille versus Nice match. Um, fans were throwing bottles at Payet of Marseille. Um, he chucked one back into the stands. Um, and then fans just, typical football fans just wanting to be hard asses. You pay money to go watch these guys play. You got to throw shit onto the pitch. And then they toss one back up and you got to act like your heart is shit and, you know, run down to the to the touchline and, and fucking yell and typical, shit. though, Keeks? Like, I don't remember this shit being typical, and I feel like it's the fucking norm the last 12 months, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, you've seen it in basketball, you've seen it and yeah, you've seen it everywhere. I mean, it's just people are just idiots. I mean, I can't imagine spending money to go watch these people play, like, idolizing this level of athleticism, and you're there cheering them on, and then you have the nerve to throw shit at them for, for no reason other than they're wearing a different colored shirt than you. I mean, it's just pure, it's, it's human stupidity at its peak. It's just ignorance, but yeah, boo to them. Um, just stupid, unnecessary. And then, you know, fights break out people on the pitch. You got to go back to the locker room. So it's all a mess. Um, so boo to them do better football fans. And I think that's that. Well, you're looking forward to this weekend. What games are we going to talk about next week? Is there anything in particular? Uh, I'm going to run through them real quick. You talk about what you want after. Yeah. City, Arsenal. That's Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a good game. Arsenal's going to get pumped 4-1, to I think. Um, And it's going to be a soccer goal to kind of give them some hope when they're down 2-1. to Or when they're down 2-0, he's going to get a goal. It's going to end up being like 3-4-1. Okay. Um, I also really like Danny Ings, especially after you notify me of that belter. Uh, Villa Brentford is going to be huge. Yeah. And then, of course, in my opinion, whoever wins this game is going to either finish first or second in the Premier League. Whoever loses this game is going to be third or fifth. Not fourth, third or fifth. So, Chelsea-Liverpool. Yeah. That's that game's huge. That's the um, one. Outside the Premier League, I really like Atletico Madrid, Villarreal. That's on Saturday. And then as, as pretty much Rams, Rams, PSG. So PSG, we're coming out. We have some pretty good players that are going to be playing in that game. Can't remember most of them, but they're going to be good. Yeah, there's one or two decent players uh, that, that will be making their debut. Yeah, I mean, the main one might be Messi. It's his first time playing in forever. So uh, he'll be making his debut for PSG. Um, they also have Italy's national team goalie. They're going to have a couple new guys at center back. They're going to have a few new guys at forward. Like, they have a stacked team, PSG, and uh, I expect good things from them this weekend. Yeah, Farmers League champs. Uh, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the, the Messi debut. Uh, Hakimi made his debut last week. Uh, I don't think Sergio Ramos has yet. 
but um, and and obviously, like you mentioned, uh, Donnarumma hasn't either. So, yeah, ton of talent on display this week for PSG. Um, other than that, nothing really stands out once again in Serie A this week. Um, no, like huge matchups early on. So we'll see further down the road. Um, I haven't looked ahead to week three or four, but uh, nothing really jumps off the page week two. I think Napoli and Juventus week three and, and uh, maybe Roma Sassuolo. So there are some decent matches coming up, but pretty average this week as far as Serie A goes. Uh, who do you think from Liverpool's perspective needs to have the best game against Chelsea for them to win? Because in my opinion, I think Chelsea is going to take it 2-0, 2-1. That's fair. I think right now Liverpool's midfield is... Um, Maybe questionable. Uh, they don't really have it nailed down. Um, Fabinho is, I think, the rock there in that defensive mid role. Uh, his father just passed away, though. I'm not 100% sure if he'll be playing or not. He wasn't playing this week. Harvey Elliott looked great. Um, so I think it's really going to come down to stability in the midfield and reliability. I think they need to get back to kind of a set mid, um, like a set three in the midfield. And I think they're trying to fill that void that Genie left. He was kind of that guy that, you know, I mean, Henderson is the captain. And, and I, I think when Yeldum still played more minutes than him last season, um, you know, he was kind of that rock in the midfield that was there game in and game out. So I think they need to figure out who that three will be, whether that's Navi Keita, um, Tiago, and Fabino, or or whatever it might be. You know, I, I personally would like to see... Fabinho at defensive mid, Thiago, and then either Henderson or or maybe uh, Keita or, or... I don't know. I mean, I really like Curtis Jones as well, but I, I think the midfield will kind of decide that match. Um, I think defensively, Matip and Van Dyke have looked really good. Uh, I, I, I do worry a little bit about Simicus on the left side. I think he'll be a huge factor as well. Uh, offensively, he's been getting forward well, but defensively... He could get exposed on the right side um, with Reese James coming up and attacking there and them just putting pressure, whether it's Mount or Havertz on that right side. I think they'll put a ton of pressure on him. So I think it'll be a big test for him. Uh, the front three seem to be playing pretty well, though. I think Hota, Salah, and Mane are uh, kind of clicking. So we'll need goals from them for sure. But um, I think the test will be in the middle and on that left flank. I definitely agree with you. I think uh, uh, Diego, I say Jota, but evidently it's Jota. But uh, I agree that if uh, he gets a goal, Liverpool win. Uh, I, honestly, I, I sound bad saying this, but I don't expect much from Mo Salah anymore. Like, no? I don't know what's wrong with him, but I just don't expect anything from him anymore. Like, I'm not even, like, when he gets the ball at his feet, I'm not even, like, scared when he's going against my defenders. But uh, I, I just I think Jota's kind of the difference at forward right now for for Liverpool, and I think they kind of depending on how he plays is depending on how they'll play against Chelsea is kind of how I see it. I think that's the thing too. I I don't think a lot of people realized Firmino, you know, two seasons ago when they were really clicking the season they won the Champions League, 
so much of that was Mane and Salah scoring. Wait, wait, I'm sorry, Keegan, to cut you off, but that was with an asterisk because that was with COVID. <laughs> but go ahead. No, they won the Premier League with COVID. Champions League was pre-COVID. It was against your beloved Hotspurs. But they... Don't remember that. (laughs) uh, That season, they were really clicking, and and Mane and Salah scored most of the goals. But Firmino was kind of the catalyst there in the middle. And I think it's a changing of the guard where Firmino will still come in and get minutes. But I I wouldn't even mind seeing him drop back to a midfield role, actually, but... I do think Hota is now, or Jota, however you want to pronounce it, is now that, I think he's now playing that role. And the spotlight's on him a little bit more because he scores more than Firmino. But I think he's kind of the glue that makes that uh, uh, stick in the middle. And so I think that that will be really big moving forward. But I do think Salah's still as dangerous as ever. Um, He scored some great goals against Chelsea in the past, so we'll see. But with that, do you have any uh, – you got any closing thoughts or does that kind of wrap us up for this week, Tobes? That wraps it up this week. One love. <laughs> One love. Get All vaccinated, right. please. Get vaccinated, folks. Thank you for listening. Um, peace. Cheers. Cheers.